Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 174 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. The first big election integrity lawsuit in Arkansas has been filed. We interview Clint Lancaster, the plaintiff's attorney, coming up. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen, so this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. And look, I have some, uh, I have some great news about our podcast and our website. Ever since we got this thing started last October, I've been telling people, well, the website, if you want to listen to my podcast, is docwashburnshow.com. And they're like, oh, okay, docwashburn.com. And I'm like, no, 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 you got to put show in there. It can't be just docwashburn.com. It's got to be docwashburnshow.com. People are like, oh, oh, okay. Because they don't hear the show the first time around. Well, after all this time, we finally have it so that it doesn't matter whether you put in docwashburnshow.com or docwashburn.com you'll get the podcast. We are actually finally able to point docwashburn.com at docwashburnshow.com so you don't have to listen. You don't have to remember the show part anymore. <laughs> so I I just had a little bit of good news on that. It was so embarrassing when I was on back in November with Dan Bongino. And he's like, yeah, docwashburn.com. I'm like, oh, no, no, docwashburnshow.com. Now it doesn't even matter. You can just go to docwashburn.com. And you get the same website. So always um, always fun to uh, share good news. Now, speaking of news, the news broke at conduitnews.com yesterday. Election contest complaint filed in House District 25. Now, if you go to conduitnews.com, you won't see the story. You'll have to actually do a search for the name Jody Harris, or a search for the name Clint Lancaster, and then you'll find it. I don't know why in the world it's not on, you know, their homepage, their landing page. But anyway, anyway, uh, without any further ado, we would like to uh, welcome attorney Clint Lancaster to the program today in the uh, vain hope he may be able to help us reinstill some sense of decorum to today's proceedings. Sir, how are you? I'm doing good, Doc. <clears throat> Greetings from Camden, Arkansas. I, I passed a sign that said the Queen City of the Washita River, and I'm here to tell you, it is that. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful in Camden, Arkansas. I was down there when I was campaigning and running for governor. So, um, so Clint, we had you and Jody Harris, your client, Republican primary candidate for Arkansas House of Representatives District 25, on uh, shortly after the primary to talk about some uh, irregularities uh, in her race. Um, 
And I, I believe it's uh, three different counties. It's uh, Crawford County, Franklin County, and uh, what, I, I, a little bit of another county. I can't remember which. Um, it's mainly in Washington County. It's got just a, it's Washington, Crawford, and Franklin, and I think the smallest portion of that district is Franklin County. Gotcha, so gotcha. Those are the two main areas. So if you would, and, and by the way, um, by way of introduction, um, Attorney Clint Lancaster is out of Saline County, and he has been doing a lot of uh, election integrity work up in Wisconsin, which started shortly after the uh, November 2020 presidential election when he uh, went to work for President Trump. Uh, you also may have seen uh, Clint Lancaster's name in the news. Uh, he uh, represents uh, a young lady named London Roberts, who uh, uh, you know is getting uh, child support payments from uh, none other than Hunter Biden because uh, the paternity was proven after Hunter Biden denied the paternity, and we uh, had an earlier interview about that. But anyway, what we want to talk about right now is this lawsuit uh, that your client, you filed on behalf of your client yesterday afternoon in Franklin County Circuit Court. Um, Clint, what what all are you guys alleging went on in or around the day of the primary uh, that raised your concern to the level of thinking that, yes, we need to go ahead and file a lawsuit here? Well, there were a number of irregularities. And so just to kind of give you and your listeners some background, there are two types of election contests that can be filed. One is to install yourself or your client into office as the rightful winner, and the other to avoid the certification of the election. And so in Arkansas, our recount process is, is a little bit different than some other states. In the recount, you're gathering evidence to challenge the county board of election commissioners to not certify the vote or to see, you know, change the results and get the, and that all happens before certification. Right. Once the county board certifies, then your only option is to go to circuit court. And so we have picked option two on circuit court, which is to void the election. And the reason why we want we want the court to do that is because of the irregularities that happen solely in Crawford County. Okay. Well, one of the irregularities, I think, was when you guys showed up um, for the certification, uh, they had already done it uh, before the time that they announced that you needed to be there, right? That's correct. They told us the, the county clerk had, had confirmed that the certification meeting was going to be one thirty on Friday. That was the Friday after the recount. Yeah. And about 30 people showed up and wanted to see their election commission at work, and the chairman, Bill Coleman, announced that they had certified at 1 o'clock. He did. He did offer to certify it again if we wanted to watch. Yeah. And um, I, we, we declined that. I, I did ask uh, Mr. Coleman for the public notice that he has to give under Arkansas law for to hold a meeting, and he directed me to the county clerk, and the county clerk is a really nice lady named Joe Wester, and uh, and Miss Wester candidly told me that she doesn't do that for the county board of election commissioners. So there is no, to my, I'm still asking for public notice of this meeting and haven't gotten it, and I don't think I'm going to. Probably because it doesn't exist. So what all happened um, uh, around the uh, the primary uh, that? give you and your uh, your client 
reason to think, yeah, we need to sue. So there's a timeline here. And so the way that the timeline worked on election night was as they were county votes in Crawford County, Miss Harris was winning the House District 25 race. Yeah. At 10 o'clock, somewhere between 10 and 10.30, Bill Coleman was seen speaking to his brother, Bruce Coleman. Okay. Now, Bruce Coleman is the current incumbent of that of that office in District 25, and he had handpicked uh, my my client's opponent, Chad Purrier, endorsed him and supported him to be and his so to be his successor. To, yeah, to be his successor, and it was it was pretty clear that's who the the Republican Party in Crawford County wanted in that office was Chad Purrier. Right. Right, and so we see we see Bruce and Bruce and Bill are seen talking somewhere between ten and ten thirty. That my client is winning the race at eleven o'clock. Bill Coleman announces they're packing up and they're going to count absentee votes later in the week. And so a poll watcher challenged them because absentee ballots must be counted first. And in fact, they are under Arkansas law; they are to be counted prior to the polls closing on election day. And the reason for that is to protect the integrity of the vote because you can, you know, absentee ballots are where 99% of your problems with manual manipulation of, of elections comes into play. So and let me, so can, can I ask a big deal? Yeah, that is a big deal. Let me ask something about that. So by law, you have to count the absentee ballots first. One of the reasons is, the way the law is set up, if I understand correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't want folks counting to be able to say, oh, okay, well, our preferred candidate is losing by this much, so we'll say we have this many absentee ballots to put him or her over the top, right? That's right. You don't want absentee ballots, um, which are have a less of an integrity by their nature than polling ballots. And the, and the reason for that is is the, the voting and the handling of the ballot happens away from the watchful eyes of the poll workers and the poll watchers and the privacy of your home or somewhere else. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like the outer fringes of integrity just to begin with because of how they're located away from polling locations. Right. So, so yes, but that is the the I, the goal is that your absentee ballots are counted and done, and so we don't have any more absentee or early votes to count when we start tabulating the uh, the election night results. Right. 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 So not only is that the goal, but uh, as you stated uh, a couple of minutes ago, that is state law. Now, here's my question for you, and I learned this from a friend of mine named Joe Churchwell, who used to practice law. What is the remedy? In other words, it's state law that you have to count the absentee ballots first. But if a county election commission breaks that law, can somebody go to jail? No, there's no criminal penalty for that. Ah, uh, see, that's the problem. That's the pro- so 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 it's it's a law, but it's it's. Uh, uh, de facto, by by effect, it's just a, a suggestion because uh, nobody can held, be held criminally liable if they ignore the law, right? Well, that is true. So and, and what's supposed to happen is you're not supposed to count those votes. I mean, that's up on the election commission to say we screwed up and here are X number of absentee ballots 
that were not counted on a, uh, before the polls closed, or at least the counting process was underway before the polls closed. And so these people just don't get the vote, and that's on us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, even though there's not uh, a criminal penalty, certainly, uh, you know, if if you can prove that that's what happened, uh, you should be able to get the uh, the election overturned in court. Well, it's a little bit trickier than that. Okay. It's a little bit trickier than that. So ideally you would want to do what's called draw those ballots down. You would just want to – you should be able – the way the law is also written, when you remake an absentee ballot, and these were remade absentee ballots, you're supposed to write duplicate on the ballot, put the duplicate ballot in the into the tabulator, write canceled on the original, and preserve it. Yeah. Okay? And those things didn't happen appropriately. The duplicate ballots were not marked as duplicate. They were only done in the presence of one, the Democrat election commissioner, and the Democrat election commissioner allowed a non-election official to handle absentee ballots that had been voted, to not only handle voted ballots, but to handle blank ballots, mark those ballots to remake them, and those were the ballots that were counted. Somebody who didn't swear an oath and who wasn't even supposed to be handling ballots was handling absentee ballots, blank and voted ballots. Oh my goodness! So, um, for for people who are all kind of new to this, uh, the the term "remade ballots" sounds kind of scary. Can you can you explain to my uh, my listeners w- what it means to remake a ballot? Yeah, and, and I sure can. And so, there's a statute in Arkansas. I believe about every county now uses ES&S voting tabulators to count the votes on election night. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So the way these tabulators work is they're kind of picky about the paper. And so if you think of absentee ballots, you know, those go through the post office. They might get ringed on. They might get thrown in the floorboard of your car yeah. for a day or two. You, there's all kinds of things. And so they come in and they may be crinkled or they may be, ripped or the tabulator will not take them okay in that situation a damaged or defective ballot can be remade by the election commission and the way that is supposed to happen and the way that lois burks the chairwoman of the saline county election commission which i'm on taught me to do it is one election commissioner reads the original ballot the votes okay another election commissioner marks the new ballot and the third election commissioner makes sure that the other two are doing it right. And they all look at it and make and agree that that is a properly remade ballot. And so then that remade ballot, you write duplicate on it and put it into the tabulator. And so that's one way that I can, I in a recount, I'm supposed to be able to go in and see if those ballots were accurately remade. Yeah. Because I've got the originals, and now I should be able to track the duplicates and I'm still not uh, violating the anonymity of the uh, voting process because once they go into that tabulator, uh, and, and, and in fact, on no ballot whatsoever is there identifying information. Once you once you separate that absentee ballot from the outer envelope, it is anonymous. It's just votes. It doesn't say who voted them. So, but I should be able. In this case, there were 13 um, ballots for. I think I think there were 13 ballots for that race. 
and uh, I should have been able to open that hopper on the recount day into that bin and find me 13 ballots that said duplicate on them. And yeah. then compare those ballots to the anonymous original ballots that were canceled. But I wasn't able to do that. Wow. Well, I mean, what was part of the problem, uh, the fact that uh, on the Saturday morning after the primary, when Ms. Harris and her husband showed up for the recount, um, one of the election commissioners said, oh, I forgot and left the absentee ballots at my home. That was a problem. I believe that he also said those ballots were trash and we didn't need them. Um, but, yeah, he uh, he says he forgot them at home, but I found it really odd that he knew exactly where they were at his house because I'm going to tell you, when I lose my cell phone, just even in my house, I don't walk right to the place where I lost it unless that's where I knew I put it. Yeah. So I don't believe that he forgot. I believe that, you know, no one ever goes into this. I've said this a bunch of times. No one ever says, of course I stuffed that ballot box for Joe Biden. Well, proud of it. They never say that. They never say they did this stuff on purpose. What they say is it was an accident. It was incompetence. It was a mistake. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. You know, that's, uh, you know, negligence is just as damaging to election integrity as intentional misconduct. Yeah, no, no question. And, and, and we're not sure, uh, you know, uh, I would surmise that we might not be talking about negligence here. We, we could very well be talking about, you know, intentional misconduct. And, you know, and my position is, I, I, you know, I would like to know if it's intentional, but ultimately, it's in my mind, it doesn't matter whether it was unintentional or intentional. I'm looking at the result, and the result is that I cannot recreate what happened on election night because I can't verify that those ballots, those absentee ballots, were counted properly. And it's a big deal. People say, why? We got, like, what, 13 ballots, right? There were 13 ballots counted at 11.15 on election night. Well, my client was winning House District 25 when that before those ballots were counted. After those ballots were counted, my client lost by, I think, six votes. And so, yeah, it could swing an election. Yeah, no question about it. Um, now, were, were, there other, um, were there other irregularities uh, in the District 25 um, race other than the absentee ballots, which right there was enough to swing the election? I mean, there was a number of irregularities just between uh, the, you know, Bill Coleman is uh, the brother of the guy who picked my client's opponent. Bill Coleman's son-in-law is the other Republican election commissioner. Uh, they were they supposedly sealed up the recount center and uh, and made it secure because they stopped kind of they stopped the recount on Saturday at the recommendation of the Secretary of State and the State Board of Elections. Yeah. And they decided to redo re resume the recount on Wednesday following election day. So this would be the Wednesday after Memorial Day, uh, with both the state board and the Secretary of State having representatives presence to watch the recount. Okay. So on on Wednesday morning the election commission goes to show us how everything is sealed up. Look at these tamper evidence seals. Nothing happens. And then he pushes a button and he raises the garage door and the garage door comes up separated from the tamper seal. And there's no indication that the tamper seal, the tamper seal should have 
indicated that that someone had raised the garage door, but it didn't. And I pointed that out, and you know, like so many other things, it's like, well, oh well. Uh, what? Uh, oh well, from the election commission and the secretary of state's office. Well, the sec- I mean, the secretary of state state's office didn't really say anything. Neither did the state board. They were there watching, just observing. Oh boy! Um, and I, I mean, at that point, you know, the state board they and the state the secretary of state they don't really have as vested interest in the integrity of the election that I did, simply because my client was the one that had lost. Uh, at least on paper. Yeah. And so they were there to see what what are you doing and are you doing this right? And um, I, they never really told me anything or what they thought of the situation. Um, it was just a tense, a very tense Wednesday in Crawford County. Well, it's odd to me that they're supposed to be there as official witnesses to make sure that everything is being do- done correctly. They clearly, obviously, see it's not, and they have no comment. Yeah, I I know, and they, maybe they will. Maybe you know. I do know that my client has filed a complaint with the state board of election commissioners related to the Crawford County debacle, and they are doing an investigation and can discipline the uh, the election commissioners at the county level. So they've got they've got their dogs, you know, in the hunt. But in the recount, it's not their job to make the arguments for Ms. Harris. That's my job. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Indeed it is. But I guess one of the questions I would have is, in the process of going forward with this litigation, um, would it be reasonable for you to depose the people who were there to witness the recount from the Secretary of State's office and the state uh, election board? It would be reasonable, and it is an option that we have, but I don't, I'll be candid with you, I don't really know that I'm going to go that route. Okay. Because the damage, the damage was done at 11.15 p.m. on election night. Because once they scanned those remade ballots, once they tabulated them, they were lost and gone. I can't pull them back out. Nobody can prove that the remade ballots accurately reflect the canceled ballots. And so you can you can watch people tabulate ballots all day, but once those bad ballots had hit that tabulator with no duplicate marking, I can't. There's there's your integrity problem because I'll tell you why. In that in of those thirteen ballots they counted, um, there thirteen of them were for the House District Twenty Five race. Okay, uh, eight of them as they were marked up showed that they went to Chad Purrier. However, Chad Purrier wins House District 25 by eight votes. So I, I can't take all the votes that are there for House 25 and the absentee bin and, and tell if they were accurately remade by this non-election official. So yeah. I, can't, I cannot distinguish them to show that count is accurate. Yeah, there's no way to do it. So since they, uh, you know, broke the law by refusing to count the absentee ballots before they counted everything else, uh, to me, you know, I'm, I'm no attorney, but it looks like you got an open and shut case. Well, I tell everybody I'm, I'm a really great optimist when it comes to litigation because I believe wholeheartedly 
that I am absolutely going to win right up until the moment that I lose. Yikes. So I think I'm going to, we, I, I've got a good feeling about this case. I've got a good feeling about the suit, um, how it's postured. And so I don't believe we're just following one to make noise. Uh, I got more, more things to do than that. So I really feel like we've got some teeth to this thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think so too. Um, so is there a better way if people want to look at the lawsuit than just going to conduitnews.com and, and doing a search for your name or Jody Harris's name? Is there somewhere else that, that people, uh, is, is it on like, um, Jody Harris's Facebook page? You know, that's a good question. I don't know, but okay. uh, when I get back to, um, get back to Saline County, I will put a, I'll put it up on my Twitter and my Twitter is at Arkansas Clint. And so all one word, and I will put a link up there to Court Connect where you can download it off the uh, judiciary's website. Great, great, great. Good deal. Now, speaking of Saline County, and by the way, we're speaking with attorney Clint Lancaster. Um, you are a member of the Saline County Election Commission. Uh, your thoughts about uh, primary night, uh, Tuesday, May 24th, uh, as far as the way Saline County hand- handled things? Sure, and just to be clear, I'm a Republican Party designee. I'm the junior Republican on the committee. Um, and so, yeah, I, election night in Saline County, was uh, it was a very busy day. I want to start out by saying that I personally went to almost every polling location in Saline County across early voting and election day. There were like four or so that I did not go to. And the reason why I went to them was I wanted to see how the elections were they being conducted in a way that the commission envisioned that they should. Yeah. And I found in all those places that there were, a big question I get was, were there any machines connected to the Internet? Yeah. And the answer to that was no. I specifically checked that, and there was not a single machine connected to the Internet. Okay. And so uh, the actual polling of uh, the polling places and stuff, I didn't see anything that was wrong with that, and I'll actually report that the longest line I saw uh, was at Haskell, Arkansas, of all places. So uh, that wow. was it. So on election night, we did uh, we had our returns. We had started our absentee balloting canvas that morning, and what that process involves is you have people opening the envelopes and sorting out the ballot, looking at the voters. Did they fill out their voter statement accurately? Did they include their ID? And if all that stuff was accurate, we put them in a stack to be counted. And if there was a problem, they were marked provisional and sent over. So that's kind of how election started. Um, I guess you're probably more interested, uh, I would believe, about the reports that say the tabulation of votes did not occur in front of the election commission. Yes, I had heard about that. What, what's the dealio? So uh, the tabulation of votes in Saline County occurred, and there's a glass room in the, in the Vote Here Center, which operates as our central count location. And what happens is they bring in the, in the election materials are returned to the election commission who holds them, not the clerk, but the commission. And inside that, inside that tub of, of election items is a clear, what I would describe as a pencil bag. Okay, it's clear. It's got the closed poll reports in there, and it's got the tabulator, the the thumb drive that goes in the tabulator. And so um, those came in, and we did see them come in, but they actually stuck the USB drive in 
uh, into this glass room where we weren't present to see it. Uh, no one said that we couldn't go in there, and I did go look in through the glass a number of times. I didn't see anything that struck me as, you know, other than it was, you know, not done in front of us. I kind of thought that was odd. And the commission is already, uh, I think, looking to make sure that in the future those uh, tabulations occur in our presence. But I will say that the tabulator is not the official count. What's on that USB drive is not the official count of votes. So the fact that they tabulated those in a glass room doesn't necessarily impact the integrity of the election. Hmm. Uh, but it's it's it, it's it's odd though. I mean, it is odd, and, it, and a, a, probably a, a burning question in some listeners' mind right now is, well, if that's not the official count, what is? Yeah, okay? exactly. Yeah, that's a great question. The official count is on the what's called the closed poll report. So I'm going to pick. My stepmother is uh, runs the old Union uh, polling center out there off of uh, Highway 298, way out in the country in Saline County. And so when everybody's done voting and the poll closes, right, they then will have the tabulator that that's on site run a report, and it comes out looking like a huge receipt, like you've had the worst day at Kroger you've ever had you've just bought enough food to feed the entire marine first division yeah and so this thing is huge and it's got all these votes on them and they're initialed by the clerks and they're initialed by the poll workers and they come into us and that is the official that's the official count and that is the count we look to when we look to certify so let me make sure i understand um they were they were counting in a room that you and other members of the election commission were not in, but um, but there was a glass window. You could see what they were doing, but you couldn't hear what they were saying, obviously, because you're not in the room. And there's nothing illegal or untoward about that? So, no, there's nothing illegal about that. As far as untoward, I would say this. The county clerk does a lot of heavy lifting on elections. But the actual running and, con- and the conduct of the election is controlled by the board, the County Board of Election Commissioners. Yeah. And so that that's not, I wouldn't say, un- you know, there is, I'm not saying anything wrong or um, bad happened, but I do think that in an era where everybody questions election transparency, there are ways that we can do that better yeah. to make sure that the public feels that, you know, I, I personally think that we need to stop having watch parties and start having, you know, poll parties and bring all these people in their, in their good times to the central count location and let's, ha- let's watch it there. And so that's what I, uh, I think that people should be more active. I didn't have but one single civilian watching the tabulation, and I didn't have a single poll worker or, I'm sorry, a single poll watcher watching the absentee ballot canvas, which are your two, you know, that's where you're really going to have problems is either, you know, absentee balloting, canvassing, or tabulation. Yeah. Right. So so did you vote to certify the results in Saline County? I did, and so, but I, I there was a wrinkle in that because uh, I, when they came out, they brought out the tabulated results, the, the things that were on the USB drives, 
And Arkansas law says that when we certify, we are to certify based off the closed poll reports. And so uh, I did, you know, I'm sure that it took longer than maybe it had in the past because I asked them to go get the closed poll reports. And so what we did with those closed poll reports, and there were like 20, okay? So Saline County's got, like, vote here centers. So you have to – there's not just, like, this precinct or whatever. It's the whole county. Yeah. And so we pulled those we pulled those closed poll reports, and I said, okay, I'm going to pick two races, and we're going to audit them. And nobody – when I walked in there, not even my wife knew which two races I was going to pick to audit. And so I picked Senator Bozeman's race and uh, Sheriff Rodney Wright's race. And so we we took and we added up every single of these 20 uh, receipts for both these races and compared them to the tabulated results. And at first, there was a problem, and that was we had like 11 votes short for Bozeman's race. Okay. So, but what had happened was one of the closed poll reports, the number had been read wrong. It, it was like 748 and 759 or whatever, and 748 got repeated twice. So I was able to verify that our closed poll reports accurately reflected the tabulation. But I do want and do think that tabulation in the future should be more in a more public type setting. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Um... So let me ask you something. Uh, you know, as a, an interested observer of the political scene, you know, I was hoping I would do better in, in you know, running for the gubernatorial nomination. I was hoping there would be a, a runoff in the Senator Bozeman's uh, primary. But um, by all accounts, uh, French Hills, U.S. Representative French Hill, 2nd District of Arkansas, Central Arkansas, his campaign seemed to be dead in the water, uh, didn't seem to have any support. Uh, his challenger, Colonel Conrad Reynolds, uh, seemed to have overwhelming support. So the idea that on election night, French Hill would get 58% and Reynolds only 42% uh, just seemed to defy uh, belief. It just didn't make any sense. A lot of people are thinking, okay, wait, something Something was wrong here. Um, has there been any audit of that race that you know of? Uh, and do you think there should be? I I think, well, I don't know of any audit, okay? But I think that every race should be audited at the request of any citizen, okay? Any voting citizen who wants to have that audit can done should be able to request it and the audit should occur. And the reason why I feel that way is not because – I think that someone is doing something wrong, but I think that people are, if they're going to trust the elective system, the system we use to vote and put people into office, they need to understand it. And that's their right to understand it. So, and I'll tell you, I candidly was very surprised. Uh, I thought that your race should have been much closer. I thought that, I thought that uh, Conrad Reynolds' race was just, I, I agree with you, I didn't see much movement, much positive movement out of French Hill's campaign. Um, but what I theorize is, and I've heard this, you know, Democrat crossover. Okay, well, yeah, I can point out some Democrats that I know are Democrats that came and got a Republican ballot. Yeah, but sure. But I don't think that you have that many Democrats that could swing the election. It's not, we're not Wisconsin where, you know, uh, a 10 Democrats here really might make a difference. Uh, so what my theory of it is, 
is that what they call dark money, which is PAC money, super PAC and PAC money, yeah. that they're the people running the ads. They, they've really been able to influence voters through marketing. And they, they find the right things to say and to market to, and they're really like a finely tuned laser-guided missile of marketing. And that tends to energize certain voters to go vote. And I think, I, I'm theorizing here, I, it energizes them to go vote in one race. So, you know, you think that, you know, Senator Bozeman is, done a wonderful job and this ad convinces you that you know jan morgan and jake beckett are you know part of the uniparty and they're gonna go out there and and you know really shake up things that will be so bad for arkansas i gotta save the farmland go vote for bozeman yeah well you get there and you don't know anything about any other candidate on the ballot so what they start doing is they start marking names that have titles and we saw in saline county that every every candidate who had a title in front of their name tended to do exceptionally well. And so that's that's what I base that theory on. I do think, and I don't know, maybe this might divide some of your listeners, I I advocate that we should close our primaries. I don't want oh, yeah. somebody who got energized off a commercial paid for by an out-of-state super PAC to come decide who is going to be my representative in the in the general election. I'm the I'm active in the party. I'm going to meetings that are not even my meetings in my county. And just like you're, you're probably, I think you said you were going to Baxter County uh, this week. Yeah. I mean, we're traveling and, and being active with the party. The people who are active with the party should pick the candidates, not the people who watch TV. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we talked uh, before, the, uh, before the show started. I have been invited by the Baxter, Baxter County Republican Women's Club uh, to speak at their monthly meeting tomorrow at noon at the Italian Garden Restaurant in Mountain Home um, to talk about election integrity. I, I, I figured once the primary was over and I lost, I didn't think I'd be getting any more uh, <laughs> invitations anytime soon to come talk to a uh, county Republican committee or a county Republican women's club, but uh, scheduled to be in Mountain Home tomorrow at noon. So, So let me ask you about this because... There was a pack in the uh, final few days before the primary, an out-of-state pack spending a lot of money uh, doing commercials in favor of French Hill's opponent, Conrad Reynolds. That sh- if your theory is correct, because packs are spending a lot of money uh, in favor of Bozeman, um, that should have helped the challenger in the U.S. representative race, uh, Conrad Reynolds, against French Hill. That's true, but also French Hill was running a lot of ads at the same time, and those and those ads were. I, I think if French had an advantage, if the campaign had an advantage, it was that they heard what the pack was doing, and they did the classic cover on that. They said, "Look at this guy, these packs, this dark money," and they call it dark money when they're not getting it, I guess. But uh, all this dark money is going to install somebody who's bad for Arkansas. You've got to save French. And people are like, they think PACs are bad, dark money is bad, and they run and they, they vote. You know, it's just, it's, it shows to me how the voting, the average voter is susceptible to manipulation through marketing. Yeah. Because suddenly that wasn't, that wasn't about really values. That wasn't about French's values or even Conrad Reynolds' values. It was dark money is trying to install candidates in Arkansas, only you voter can save us, save us by voting for French. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm, I'm watching as we're speaking here. People who are listening live to the live stream on the Podbean app have said the ES&S machines may not have been connected to the Internet when you took a look at them, but they do have Wi-Fi capability. Is that a concern to you? So, yes, that is true. Some ES&S machines have Wi-Fi capability, and I know that because I currently still represent the Wisconsin Special Counsel, Justice Gableman. Um, and so Up in did, Wisconsin, we yeah. right on the verge of ripping into these machines and, uh, in Wisconsin, and their machines were connected to the Internet. The Dane County, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the Madison City Attorney told me, of course those machines are connected. How did you think we were transmitting data to the county? And so um, in Arkansas, ESNS says none of our machines have... Uh, any wireless modems on them. And now Bluetooth's the big thing. You, you know, they say they don't have Bluetooth either. But I do think, I do have a method that I would, I am proposing that Arkansas go to that would really restore overall integrity to every election. And it gets rid of the ES&S machines. So I'm, I'm for getting rid of them. Well, I am too. I mean, I've got a, I've got a friend who is uh, on the Lincoln County Election Commission who says they can be connected to the internet and and he's very concerned about it um so one of the things that concerned me when i went to vote uh on primary day i kept on hearing everybody say now make sure you double check make sure you double check that you know that whoever you're voting for is is who the machine says you're um you're voting for uh but of course my problem was I wasn't clicking on a computer screen. I was filling out a paper ballot, you know, filling in the little uh, egg-shaped uh, uh, deals and then putting it into the machine. And so when I asked the uh, the poll workers, okay, now how do I make sure that it tabulates, um, you know, who I wanted tabulated? And they're like, uh, well, there's no, you know, there, there, there's no way to make sure on that. You just check after 730 and we have the... The, the, the results. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. What? That doesn't seem right to me. I agree, and I don't like that either. I got an uneasy feeling myself, and you know, because at some point I'm, I'm going to have to trust that a Nebraska company, and I'll, let me tell you about this Nebraska company. I personally wrote the legislative subpoenas to ESNS and Dominion for Justice Gableman, and when I sent those, I served those subpoenas on ESNS. They said, if you don't drop your subpoenas, we're going to sue you. Now, this is the company that I'm trusting is counting my ballot correctly. And so I got a problem with that. Uh, and I do have a solution. I think I, I've got a solution to get rid of um, uh, some of the machines because it's hard to find county clerks who are jumping up and down about hand counting ballots. But I've got a happy medium. Okay, what's that? So there's a company that makes a ballot, and the ballot appears to be, it's a paper ballot, and it's got the ovals on them that you fill in, and it looks like every other ballot until you hit it with a spot or with a flashlight, and then it, it reveals an ultraviolet watermark, a very detailed ultraviolet watermark. Oh, okay, so yeah. one, you can't just go down to, like, FedEx and print 100 ballots because of this watermark. Right, okay, okay. So that's yeah. number one. Number two, it's got a QR code that you tear off. And so you vote your ballot, and your ballot is completely anonymous except for your QR code. And so when you want to see, let's say you like want to know, did your ballot get counted right? 
Well, after the election, we'll run these ballots through tabulators, okay? After the election, we, we post all the ballots online and, and on a numbered page, and then you use your QR code to go find the ballot you voted. And you check your ballot and, add, and make sure that it's accurate. And if you've got questions, go talk to your friends and family. Just ask them to check theirs. Were their ballots accurate? Okay, and if you still don't like it, you can just hand recount the the race yourself based off the ballots posted online. You still have one hundred percent of anonymity, and but you also have, you also get to tabulate, which makes clerks happy. And then if somebody doesn't like it, anybody, literally anybody, can do their own recount. Okay, now to uh, establish that would probably mean you'd have to get legislation passed through our state legislature. Have you? Uh, suggested this to any of the uh, state senators or state reps that that you're in touch with? Yes, I have been in some discussions with Senator Kim Hammer, who's a big proponent of election integrity, and uh, he's put me in contact with some people over at the legislature, and uh, I am actively working on drafting some legislation for Senator Hammer to look at. I think that the Secretary of State will be very interested in this, and uh, I, I think it's doable. It's going to cost money, of course, like everything in the world. But good news, we have a surplus. So what better way to spend our surplus than making our elections more safe and more transparent? Yeah. Uh, Kim Hammer, Alan Clark, I think would be interested in that. He's he's in your neck of the woods in, in, in Arkansas also. So uh, I need to go back to something that you talked about, the Wisconsin case. Justice Gableman up there. For folks who don't know, is a retired Wisconsin uh, State Supreme Court justice who is basically the the special counsel to look into uh, election integrity uh, situations and problems in Wisconsin. So when you went to subpoena Dominion and ESNS and they threatened to sue you, uh, what was your resp- response? Well, I, so Dominion didn't respond, period. Okay. ESNS, they said, uh, you know, we'll sue you. I was like, hell, let's just sue them all. You know, I don't care. I, I mean, that's if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, let's just go to court. I think that you'll lose and we'll we'll win. Well, the election investigation in Wisconsin, though Speaker Voss has told many prominent Republicans, including President Trump, that he would not dare interfere with our investigation. We don't have any authority to investigate anything any further. We are literally doing, you know, no investigation, none, period. We're we're in some litigation that's been ongoing, but right as our investigation was really, really getting good, and I'll tell you, it's a good sign that you're on to something as a, an investigator in a legal environment when you get close enough that the response is, if you come any closer, we'll sue you. And so that that usually means they have something they want to hide, and we weren't able to get to it because the speaker wouldn't uh, give you the authority to go any further. That's correct. Oh man, Jay, I wonder if somebody do doc. Yeah, what they do is they say, look. We had this investigation in Wisconsin, and nothing became of it. There, we, they found no wrongdoing. Well, of course we didn't find wrongdoing. You pulled the rug out from under our feet before we ever got going. Of course you're not going to find anything. Wow. Wow. So um, has Justice Gableman uh, publicized the fact that the uh, 
the speaker of the uh, Wisconsin House is uh, is flagrantly, um, you know, I don't know how to uh, describe it, but is interfering with this investigation. Uh, there's been some publication about it. Uh, there was some intense discussion, and I believe President Trump issued a statement talking about how bad it would be for rhinos to interfere with election integrity investigations, and then the integrity investigation, the contract was renewed, uh, but the terms are not such that any investigation is ongoing. Uh, in fact, I am no longer on the payroll for the Wisconsin uh, special counsel. That's not authorized under the statute. So, I mean, you've got, you don't have anybody up there other than Justice Gableman and his assistant and, and a guy, uh, another lawyer that's up there, uh, Kevin. And he, you know, other than that, but Kevin lives in Wisconsin. He lives in Brookfield. So they basically took away all the, all the big guns and ammunition that we had to throw at this and just said, here, you need to let this percolate. Good grief. Um, and, and, and I guess it's difficult because <clears throat> you're in Arkansas. It's not like you can uh, go up there and start speaking at uh, county Republican uh, committee meetings and say, look, you need to get rid of your Speaker of the House. Yeah, I, I can't. You know, it's, it's an uneasy it's an uneasy truce. I, I, li- I personally like Robin Voss, but I wish that he would have been more passionate mm-hmm about the election integrity investigation. Uh, it, Wisconsin really had, they had they had the insight. We knew more about what was going on and how they did it. And we were really actively engaged in preventing it for 2022 and 2024. We don't want them using ballot harvesting apps and going door-to-door again like they did in Wisconsin in 2020. Yeah, but, I mean... Again, if the uh, if the Republican Speaker of the House up there is not allowing the um, uh, the investigation to continue, then expect more of the same, right? That's right. I mean, you know, I've uh, it's it's baffling to me that you know you can discover how the other side cheated and cheated on the scale to swing a presidential election, but you're not interested in investigating how they did it and making sure they can't do it again. My big question is why? Why do you not want to know how they did it exactly and prevent it in the future? Why is that? Yeah. Well, it sounds like somebody's probably getting paid off. Uh, A wise man once said, usually the most reasonable explanation uh, for something uh, would be the correct one. Usually. So, I mean, you know, I, 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 but it's, it's, uh, it's infuriating, uh, and it's outrageous and it's heartbreaking that you were this close to getting something done. So Wisconsin would not get stolen by the Democrats again in 2024. And now the Republican speaker of the house is like, no, let him do it again. Yeah. Well, what was, uh, what was kind of remarkable about that was we had the key not just for Wisconsin, but for what they did in Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, oh. and probably Arizona. And and it's been shut down by the Republican Speaker of the House of Wisconsin. That's correct. Wow. Well, I think it's remarkable you still like the guy personally, because uh, <laughs> I, I guarantee you most of my listeners don't. That's uh, 
That's horrendous. Well, I, uh, my dear grandmother told me that if you can't say something nice, you shouldn't say anything at all. So I am trying my best to say something nice. Now, I'm not hanging out with Speaker Voss. We're not yeah. going to any of the lakes in Wisconsin or having popcorn at the casinos. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go pick at his house. Well, yes, and and uh, by all accounts, your dear grandmother was a wonderful person, but did she have any idea uh, that you were going to get in, involved in, in, in practicing law, being an officer of the court? You know, I highly doubt it. I, I, I don't know <laughs> that at a young age I had a lot of uh, – my, my family may not have always realized my true potential at a young age. So I think that's kind of <laughs> accurate for a lot of parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In other words, at some point, you have to use some strong language. Um, you know, I, I think that um, I, I now. OK, let me ask you this, because it just it is mind boggling to me that you probably had the key to what happened, not only in Wisconsin, but in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, perhaps even Arizona. And it shut down because the speaker, the Republican speaker of the Wisconsin House, wouldn't allow you to go any further. Is Justice Gableman um, doing anything to try to raise the alarm nationally? Is he going on Newsmax or Fox News or, um, you know, talking to conservative outlets about this? Yes, he is. I actually spoke to him yesterday about some of the uh, plans for the future. And so I, um, yeah, he's been on War Room. He's been on Tucker Carlson. Uh, I think he even called in the Kim Hammer's radio show. He he would probably be more than happy to come talk to your listeners. Yeah. So uh, that'd yeah, be he, good. He's talking. We were in Utah. We were in Utah back in March doing election conferences. So we are out there spreading the word. It's just you know at this point without government funding, it's going to take some private funding, and it's trying to marshal those assets. And, and be accountable to the people who donate them so that you don't have a release to Kraken thing where people donate $10 million and all they got was some body on TV saying they were going to release a Kraken. Which never happened, yeah. Yeah, so it's good to use yeah, one with Tucker. Waiting. I'm sorry, what? I, I kept waiting for the Kraken, and I still am. Yeah, right. Well, it's good that Justice Gableman was on with Tucker Carlson. It's good that he was on with Steve Bannon in a war room. Um, but... Yeah, raising the money privately, uh, I don't know. Maybe he could do better than I did. Um, but, um, yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Well, Clint Lancaster, uh, if people want to find out more about what you are doing, um, I guess uh, go to your uh, your Twitter account. Uh, and, and what is your handle on Twitter again? It's at Arkansas Clint. I uh, I'll post a, a link to this this lawsuit in Crawford County uh, up there as well, and I'll also post some links to the special con- uh, special counsel's website where you can watch videos of uh, people being taken advantage of in nursing homes in an absentee voting setting in 2020, along with basically every document that the raw documents we have are up there on that website. So there's quite a bit to see if you're. Uh, are a lover of election integrity like me, and you want to know more about it. And and what was the the website again? The website is wielectionreview.org. And I'll post a link to all my Twitter later today, and my Twitter's at Arkansas Clint. W-I, like for Wisconsin, W-I, election, 
Review.org. Review.org. Electionreview.org. Right. And Jody Harris for State Representative Facebook page um, has a link to the article in Conduit News about the um, about the lawsuit. Uh, Clint Lancaster, uh, thank you so much for being so patient with us and, and staying on a lot longer uh, than, than you had planned today, I'm sure. Uh, appreciate all that you do. Uh, I certainly hope they do get rid of the ESNS uh, machines. Uh, God bless you and Godspeed. Well, thank you for having me. And as, as just as I close, I'd like to say that uh, yeah. Ms. Harris would, would love to have anybody's support for this lawsuit. She's having to fund this thing by herself. These things aren't free. They aren't cheap. So if you're interested in helping, please reach out to me, and I will tell you how you can do that. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's, that's because everything takes money, you know. Everything takes money. You know, I, I was running against uh, Walmart and, and Tyson and the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce and uh, and uh, an opponent who had raised $14 million. And one of my campaign managers said, if you can raise 1% of what she's raised, if you can raise $140,000, we can get the word out to enough people, you might have a chance against her. We raised 80000 But, you know, it, it was it was a good experience. And it, it was definitely worth doing, and I made a lot of new friends, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But uh, people don't understand that it takes money to do what you are trying to do, uh, whether, uh, you know, doing the lawsuit for uh, for Jody Harris or, for that matter, uh, trying to solve election integrity, integrity problems in Wisconsin and the other swing states. So... Um, that's right. Well, thank you for having me and giving me a, a platform to talk about election integrity. And I hope you have a safe trip up tomorrow to Baxter County to the Republican women. Yes, sir. God bless you, Clint Lancaster. Appreciate you. Hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. All righty. There it is. There it is. Um, horrifying news about Wisconsin. That's for sure. Horrifying news. I, uh, I had not heard about that. That's a whole new ball game. They had them right where they wanted, and uh, the money dried up. Republican Speaker of the House, Voss, Wisconsin. Um, why am I not supposed to think he was paid off? I don't know. Anyway, we are so thankful to our advertisers for making it possible for us to do what we do every day and for their patience. I'm sure this is the longest I've ever gone without doing this. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences 
and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. And thank you again to our friends and advertisers. 
Jonathan Presswood and Edward Jones, Art Wilborn, MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, and, of course, Mitch Ward at RedRiverYourWay.com. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, gas prices are uh, twice as high as they were when Joe Biden uh, usurped the authority of the Oval Office. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, I'm sorry. I I was being sarcastic there. But back in April, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg doubled down on his out-of-touch messaging to Americans who are struggling to pay skyrocketing prices at the pump. This was two months ago, in April. The self-described Mayor Pete made headlines in March when he said, in all seriousness, that the obvious solution for dealing with insanely high gas prices was just to go buy an electric vehicle. Now, the Blaze, the Blaze had all this on April 4th. They said maybe Mayor Pete doesn't realize that most of us can't afford to buy a new car at all, let alone an electric vehicle that costs roughly $10,000 higher than the overall industry average, according to Kelly Blue Book. Now, our tone-deaf transportation secretary has let Americans know that we all need to get used to wild price hikes until we achieve a form of energy independence that is based on clean energy. Did you know that? Let's check out, see what he said on April 2nd. So less dependent on foreign oil, and that protects us from shortages at, at fuel stations. But here's the thing to remember. Even if all of the oil we use in the USA were made in the USA, the price of it is still subject to powers and dynamics outside of the USA, which means that until we achieve a form of energy independence that is based on clean energy created here at home, American citizens will still be vulnerable to wild price hikes like we're seeing right now. Wild price hikes, huh? So, um, do you know where a lot of the uh, energy has to come from to recharge these electric vehicles? Coal. Look, Biden promised. Biden promised in the Democrat primaries that he was going to destroy the oil and gas industry, and he's certainly well on his way. Well on his way. I mean, you know, at this point, I don't care whether these people are out of touch or not. What I do care about is what they're doing to us. And just the other day, Pete Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary, was on ABC This Week with George Stepp on all of us, and he admitted that it's Joe Biden's policies that have gas prices at the level they're at today. Here we go. Americans feel gas prices just about more than anything else. We're seeing $5 a gallon, approaching $5 a gallon across the country right now as we head into the summer vacation season. Uh, earlier this year, the president tapped the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It hasn't made any difference at all. Was that a failure? 
Well, look, I, I don't think it's correct to say it hasn't made any difference at all. Uh, this is an action that helped to stabilize global oil prices. Uh, the action the president took around ethanol, introducing additional flexibility there, that's having an effect uh, on prices in the Midwest. But we also know that the price of gasoline is, is not set by a dial in the Oval Office. They're going to empty the strategic oil preserve. So in, in the case of emergency, we're not going to have anything. We're not going to have anything. Now, what does it tell you when uh, somebody from CNN holds a Biden official accountable? Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm on this morning on CNN. But if you were in, if you were in Brazil, you'd be paying the same mm-hmm. amount for gas at the pump, over five dollars. Mm-hmm. If you were in Canada, you'd be paying over six dollars. If you were Understood. in Germany, you'd Understood, be paying Secretary. over eight dollars. So we're talking about this the United States, though. The world. We're talking about the United States right now. With the yeah. yeah, we're not talking about Brazil. We're talking about the United States. Um, yeah, this is horrendous, man. Now, Biden again. Biden of the AFL-CIO. Did you hear this? I traveled the world trying to put things back together. You know, Trump did not leave a very good situation. You think I'm kidding. No matter where I go in the world, whether it was the inter-American conference we just had for the, this, this hemisphere, or NATO, or dealing with the ASEAN countries, or the Far East, guess what? They look at me and I say, I say America's back. And they look at me and they say, for how long? This is America. We can do any damn thing we put our minds to. And guess what? We're not going back to the false promises of the trickle-down economics. We're going forward. We're going If you believe that, you're stupid. And fewer and fewer and fewer people do believe that. I guarantee you that. Now, while all this is going on, Pelosi's January 6th committee, for some reason, is delayed. Uh, A couple of meetings up, postpone, postpone, postpone. So, I got to tell you something. The night of the primary, um, we had a little get-together in a hotel ballroom at a hotel here in Little Rock, Arkansas, to kind of watch the results and see what happened. And um, somebody was nice enough to uh, buy some rooms at the hotel for for me and my wife and some family members who were in town. And I wound up talking to a desk clerk late at night, older guy like myself, who actually believes that Trump supporters killed people at the Capitol on January 6th, even though that never happened actually believes that Donald Trump should be in prison for encouraging violence, even though that never happened. 
People like this, you're not going to be able to get through to. I didn't even try. It was just absurd. But if you have close friends or family members who are liberals who are willing to listen to you, let me share with you the latest from Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. The latest article is entitled January 6th for Non-Dummies. And she says, during another public hearing on Monday, the January 6th Select Committee featured a witness so irrelevant that his appearance should prompt even the most ardent defender of Nancy Pelosi's illegitimate inquisition to question the committee's real purpose. Former Fox News talking head Chris Steyerwalt Fired by the network shortly after the Capitol protest for calling the state of Arizona for Joe Biden early on election night. Told his sob story to a presumably slim viewing audience. The washed up commentator, however, is the last person with any insight into the events of January 6, 2021. Steyerwalt's performance, similar to the overwrought speechifying by committee members last Thursday, is another head fake designed to turn attention away from the truth about what happened that day and in the months leading up to the brief disturbance that resulted in the deaths of four Trump supporters. A well-oiled fog machine operated by the Department of Justice, Congressional Democrats, Never Trumpers, and the national news media is once again pumping lie after lie into the body politic in a last gasp attempt to destroy Trump and the powerful political movement he created. For nearly 18 months, American Greatness has covered this issue like no other outlet. So as the committee continues its dog and pony show on Capitol Hill this month with an eye toward producing a long list of legislative fixes, the Justice Department inexorably moves to criminally charge Donald Trump for his alleged involvement, and the media takes another extended nap on his purported fact-checking duties, American Greatness here provides the definitive list of what people need to know about January 6, 2021 and related hype. First of all, Congress and D.C. city officials, not Donald Trump, were responsible for protecting the Capitol. It is. The primary duty of the Capitol Police Board, made up of the sergeants at arms of the Senate and the House and the architect of the Capitol, to secure the sprawling complex. The federal police force, with a budget of more than half a billion dollars, employs at least 2,000 officers and houses numerous bureaus, including an intelligence unit. The Capitol building should have been well protected on January 6th during a controversial joint session of Congress with Vice President Michael Pence presiding. But Paul Irving, Nancy Pelosi's sergeant-at-arms at the time, and Michael Stinger, Senate Majority Leader, 
Mitch McConnell, Sergeant-at-Arms, repeatedly denied requests by the Capitol Police Chief for extra help days before the Capitol protest. As the chaos unfolded that afternoon, Irving and Stinger continued to delay numerous pleas to deploy the National Guard. Although more than 1,000 guardsmen were stationed at the D.C. Armory on the morning of January 6th, they were not summoned to the Capitol complex until well after 5 p.m. on January 6th. Now, why was that? Why was that? D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser also refused to activate a significant number of guardsmen on January 6th. Instead, Mayor Bowser authorized a few hundred guardsmen for traffic and pedestrian control. D.C. Metro police officers arrived at the Capitol shortly after the joint session convened at 1 p.m. It does not appear that the January 6th Select Committee has interviewed Irving, Stinger, or Bowser. Irving and Stinger both conveniently resigned on January 7th. Irving refused to testify before the Senate committee investigating the so-called attack. In addition, U.S. Representative Benny Thompson, Democrat, Mississippi, has announced that Nancy Pelosi's records relating to January 6th were off-limits. Committee members and the media insist Donald Trump bears some culpability for lax security on January 6th, according to Cash Patel, Chief of Staff for the Acting Secretary of Defense during the final weeks of the Trump administration, the president on January 4th authorized the use of 20,000 guardsmen, but the activation of those troops would have required a formal request by either Capitol Police or D.C. Mayor Bowser's office. And contrary to another widely accepted narrative, Capitol Police at several vantage points allowed protesters into the building and without warning, the building was closed. Secondly, no police officers died on January 6th or as a result of the protest. Four supporters of Donald Trump, Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boyland, Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips died on January 6th. Ashley Babbitt, an unarmed veteran who posed no lethal threat, was shot and killed by Capitol Police Officer Michael Byrd around 2.45 p.m. near the Speaker's lobby. Boyland died around 4.30 p.m. outside the Lower West Terrace Tunnel where D.C. and Capitol Police were engaged in violent confrontations with protesters. Witnesses say that Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips suffered fatal heart attacks after being hit with stun grenades, an explosive device used by police outside the building that afternoon. Eyewitness accounts and extensive video footage show police attacking people peacefully assembled on Capitol grounds shortly after 1 p.m. A Capitol official 
testified during a recent trial that the department used non-lethal munitions for the first time in history on January 6th, despite claims by, by everyone from Joe Biden to local news reporters, no police officer died on January 6th. For months, Capitol Police and the media lied about the death of Officer Brian Sicknick. The New York Times reported on January 8th, 2021, that Sicknick had been bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher, an allegation that was included in the House Democrats' official impeachment memo. But the report was false. The Times retracted the account a month later. After a lengthy delay, the D.C. coroner finally issued his finding that Signick died of natural causes, a stroke caused by two blood, clot, blood clots near his brain. I wonder if he was vaccinated. Four police officers reportedly took their own lives after January 6th. Two Capitol Police officers committed suicide in the days following the protest, and two D.C. officers killed themselves months later. But there's no proof any of those suicides is tied to the events of that day. Thirdly, no one carried firearms into the building. On January 7, 2021, Nancy Pelosi described the previous day as an armed insurrection, a narrative that persisted for months. The public was led to believe gun-toting Trump supporters stormed the building with intent to harm or even kill lawmakers in an attempt to overthrow the government. Now, nearly 18 months later, no one has been charged with carrying a firearm into the building on January 6th. Four men were charged with possessing or carrying a firearm on Capitol grounds, including one man who was arrested that evening after the protests ended. The only person who used a gun on January 6th was Lieutenant Michael Byrd, the cop who executed Ashley Babbitt at nearly point-blank range. Byrd was exonerated by the U.S. Justice Department and Capitol Police officials, and he remains on the job. Fourthly, the FBI refuses to disclose information pertaining to the use of undercover agents and informants. Numerous court mentions filed by January 6th defense attorneys refer to unknown federal agents present at the Capitol throughout the day. The New York Times reported last September that the FBI embedded at least two informants in the Proud Boys months before the Capitol protest. Newsweek recently recently revealed that Jeffrey Rosen, the acting attorney general at the time, summoned hundreds of elite FBI agents, including the hostage rescue team, to Quantico the weekend before January 6th. Contrary to Rosen's public testimony, according to Newsweek, those agents were deployed to downtown D.C. the morning of January 6th, and some had shoot-to-kill authority if necessary. During her Senate testimony on the one-year anniversary of the protest, FBI counterterrorism chief Jill Sanborn rebuffed questions about whether FBI agents or informants engaged in or provoked violent behavior on January 6th. She also refused to explain why Ray Epps, a man seen multiple times on video, exhorting people to go inside the Capitol, was removed 
from the agency's most wanted list and has so far evaded arrest. The FBI continues to ignore congressional inquiries into her testimony. As the Whitmer kidnapping law, pardon me, as the Whitmer kidnapping hoax demonstrated, the FBI is deeply involved in the surveillance and setup of Americans the agency considers anti-government extremists. A Michigan jury in April acquitted two men charged in the hoax after defense attorneys successfully argued they were entrapped by the FBI. The jury could not reach a verdict on two other defendants who now face a second trial. Furthermore, Stephen D'Antuono, head of the Michigan FBI field office, primarily responsible for the hoax, was promoted to head of the D.C. FBI field office in mid-October 2020, right after his agents arrested the fake kidnappers and several weeks before the Capitol protest. His office is the lead investigatory agency in the Justice Department's prosecution of more than 800 Americans now charged for their involvement January 6th at the Capitol, many of whom did not even go into the Capitol building. It does not appear that Dan Tuono or FBI Director Christopher Wray have been interviewed by the January 6th Commission, or committee, pardon me. The FBI also appears to have lost interest in the so-called pipe bomber who allegedly planted explosives outside the headquarters of the Democrat National Committee and Republican National Committee on the evening of January 5th. News of the bombs prompted the first evacuation of adjacent house buildings and set off panic in Washington, D.C. and in the news media. The FBI claimed it would conduct an investigation and offered a reward for the bomber's capture. Nearly 18 months later, not only has a suspect not been sought, the FBI refuses to release any information pertaining to an investigation. Furthermore, the pipe bombs have not been mentioned by committee members or nor have they been the focus of any public hearings. The January 6th committee is pure political theater intended to crush the MAGA movement once and for all. And like so many attempts before, the Russian collusion hoax, the first impeachment trial, the stolen 2020 election, the second impeachment trial, Democrats and the media are successfully brainwashing millions of their cult-like disciples who allow themselves to be duped time and again by the likes of Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat, California. Facts, as they say, do matter, and the aforementioned list is just a handful of indisputable truths related to January 6, 2021, that the other side doesn't want the American people to see. So share it widely. Once again, this is Julie Kelly's latest article at amgreatness.com. It's entitled, January 6, for non-dummies. Just thought you might want to know. All righty. That having been said, let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. 
Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton, make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas... Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. And I'd like to help you with some health issues. Do you have migraines? Neck pain? Back pain? Vertigo? Acid reflux? Eczema? Problems with your blood sugar? Maybe even hay fever? Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right. Thank you so much. More of our advertisers, doctors J.R. and Tanya Crabtree at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center who keep our atlases adjusted. And our friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, who also, in the interest of full disclosure, is my attorney. All right, let's hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by... RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S. All right. Today's Tweet of the Day is kind of a triple play. Uh, the great independent journalist... Andy Nyo, NGO, reporting over there at the postmillennial.com. 
And this is uh, this is a scary one. This is a scary one. Far left, violent extremist group Jane's Revenge, who have carried out attacks on pregnancy resource centers across the United States with impunity, has released a new statement saying their mercy has expired and now they will escalate violence. So Ali Beth Stuckey responds to that. The DOJ is too busy going after parents who don't want their first grader reading porn in school and grandmothers who meandered through the Capitol to care about the actual violence going on at the pregnancy resource centers. These attacks on these people trying to help mothers and babies. So that's part one of your triple, uh, part one and two of your triple play tweet of the day. The other one is from uh, Dr. Let's Go Brandon, MD, Mega Ultra Dark Mega 1776, who says Pfizer warns that a fifth booster shot may be necessary for those who haven't died yet. Thank you, RedRiverYourWay.com, for making the tweet of the day possible on the Doc Washburn Show. We appreciate y'all. All righty. You've been listening to episode 174 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode, of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. Bam, that's the way it is. Wednesday, June 15th, 2022.